Welcome to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I hope you are. I'm doing wonderful, Bill. And uh, I'm excited to be here for the program today. And uh, we do this because, Bill, you're a a well-known estate planning attorney. You also focus on elder law. And in fact, you're a, a well acclaimed and uh, won several <laughs> awards when it comes to elder law. But, um, you know, we hear these terms a lot, Bill, but I'm interested to get your definition off the bat. What What is elder law? Well, I think most folks know what an estate planning attorney does, or at least they have a pretty good idea. And, and obviously, uh, folks who do estate planning, uh, they're you know, degrees of how well people do that uh, as attorneys. Uh, but but clearly, estate planners uh, prepare last wills and testaments, uh, trusts, and of course, I love to do trusts for appropriate families. Uh, but, you know, as it relates to a will, a, a will is basically uh, a plan to distribute your uh, legacy, your resources, your assets uh, when you die. And truthfully, uh, a, from my own perspective, a good estate planner is all about lifetime issues as opposed to death issues. Uh, I hate to say it this way, but but death is fairly easy when it comes to how to do things. Um, But life issues can get very, very complicated, and most of us do need assistance of one kind or another during our lifetime, and and we never know when it's going to happen. You know, it's it's the kind of of thing uh, where uh, this is where plans go awry. I mean, no one knows when they're going to die. No one knows when they're going to get sick. (laughs) Or how that might affect them. And so with estate planning, um, uh, the powers of attorney that one prepares uh, uh, is a a very important uh, part of estate planning. Um, And so there is a financial power of attorney. Typically, it's called a general durable power of attorney. In fact, this past week, uh, I saw a power of attorney, uh, probably the first one I've seen in 40 years. Uh, As you may remember, I've been practicing law for over 44 years at this point. And so so, um, uh, back early in my practice, uh, you know, they didn't have what's called durable powers of attorney. If you became incompetent, your family had to go to the court and have a determination and then have a guardianship. And so I think the clerks got tired of having to do that. And so um, the legislature allowed folks to uh, sign documents that would continue to be valid after uh, you're incompetent, uh, which um, which base that's the durable part. Now, the the thing that a lot of folks don't realize is the general part means a lot of different things to different folks, and most general powers of attorney are not anything close to what people think they are, because most attorneys give you a very simple. Uh, general durable power of attorney, one that really you can't do a whole lot with other than to pay bills and sell the house, sell the truck, sell the car, 
uh, and the like. But it doesn't give you the ability to do asset protection planning, which is a big part of my practice. So uh, we generally, uh, with appropriate families, and appropriate means that you have a loved one that you can trust, absolutely trust, to do what's in your best interest or to do what you would want them to do. And so for those families, we give what we call an advanced general durable power of attorney, which gives far broader powers uh, to folks. A very important document for folks to know about. And the truth is most folks do not have an advanced power of attorney. We, I preach this to seniors that you really need to have a more powerful document in hand uh, for the later years in life because that's when your family really needs to be there to uh, take care of things and protect property for you. And you can't protect property very well with a simple general durable power of attorney like what most people have. And then there are other documents that are really helpful, too. The health care power of attorney, uh, everybody needs that. Uh, an advanced directive for natural death, often called a living will in most states, is another very helpful document that I think most people should have. It's a very narrowly drawn uh, document uh, for the worst situations in life. Uh Oh, it's where you're hopeless and, and in dire uh, situations with no hope of recovery. Uh, so those are important. And then federal law requires a medical release that complies with the HIPAA laws. Most folks have heard of HIPAA. They may not know what it means, but they've heard of it. And the doctors hate it because it just means more paperwork for them. But uh, in essence, it's a document that allows you to give people access to your doctors and your health uh, records uh, from any health care provider. And if you don't have it, uh, those folks can uh, certainly not give information to your loved ones, e- even your health care power of attorney. So that's an important document as well. And then w- one of the newer ones that are is important, uh, more important today, particularly for younger folks, is what we call a digital release, um, which allows your agent under your power of attorney to have access to digital records. And anyone who has a computer or a smartphone has di- digital records, records that are online, in the cloud. Uh, some For some folks, it's Facebook pages and pictures and things. And others, it's bank records that, uh, you know, but everybody's doing, you know, they want to send you electronic records. They don't want to send you anything in the mail anymore. Uh, and so uh, most of us, more and more, are uh, we have more and more digital records. And so that release can be extremely important to folks as well. So that's the estate planning side. And it's tinged with elder law. And from my perspective, uh, folks are better served, particularly seniors, if they go to an elder law attorney because uh, uh, the first thing an elder law attorney has to learn is how to be an estate planner. (laughs) So, uh, And then you add on the more complicated parts of estate planning, and that's uh, how do you help seniors uh, with some of the complicated rules dealing with Medicaid if you need long-term care? Uh, or uh, veterans who may be eligible for what's called improved pension benefits? That can be extremely complicated as well. 
or, you know, how to just deal with long-term care issues, what families should do. And, of course, the earlier families come in to see us as elder law attorneys, the more we can help them. Uh, the worst cases we've seen are where families uh, try to do it on their own uh, for two or three years, and they're almost out of money when they come to see us. And then they realize, hey, we could have preserved every penny if you'd just come to see us two or three years uh, earlier. Uh, that's th- Those are sad states. Uh, but But the fact is is that people think that they know how this stuff works. And and they really don't. You know, sometimes they get advice from social workers who know a little bit. They they get advice from their uncle or their next-door neighbor or a friend at church uh, who might know a little bit. But the fact is is that, um, you know, most of these folks only know enough to actually give you bad advice. <laughs> So it's really important to go to someone uh, who understands these programs and how they can help you. Uh, One of the expressions I've I've, uh, said for many years is uh, you can't know what you don't know. Uh, And and it's so true. Uh, The fact is is that the, the more we know, the, the better decisions we can make. Uh, knowledge is power. Knowledge is value. Um, and that's why um, – and no one can know everything. Uh, and <laughs> uh, that's impossible. You know, we focus on the things that we're good at. Uh, uh, and uh, frankly, with long-term care issues – uh, it is so complicated that unless you're into this business full time, uh, and that's what elder law attorneys do, they're focused on these issues, how to help families uh, get through these complicated rules so that they can get uh, the benefits that they deserve. And of course, one of the biggest myths when it comes to uh, long term care is that you have to be dirt poor in order to receive any government assistance. And for many of the pro- – there are some programs out there like that, but for the, for the most important programs, middle-class families can qualify and keep their property and protect their property. But the rules are so darn complicated that if you don't get professional help, you're really in trouble. So those are the kind of things that make a huge difference uh, with families when it comes to estate planning and elder law. And, of course, the fact is that and anybody who suffered through long-term care issues know this. It's horribly, outrageously expensive. You know, there's very few families that are prepared to pay five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars per month. You know that requires liquidity. It requ- you got to pay in cash. You can't give them chickens. <laughs> you know, you, uh, it's it really uh, and, and okay. You might be able to do that for a few months, but how many families can do that long term? Not many. And so uh, that's what we call being in crisis. And f- families in crisis should see an elder law attorney immediately. 
folks who are not in crisis are better off if they see an elder law attorney years before they they are in crisis. But we can we can take those kinds of things and make a huge difference to families. Yeah, that's powerful. As you said, getting ahead of the crisis and planning ahead can help you save your nest egg and it can help you get assistance earlier and preserve what you have. That's all what the asset protection model is based on. And that's why you should get a hold of Bill Alexander. Go online to WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com. There you can find plenty of information about Bill. You can schedule an appointment to speak with him. You can also register for Bill's free seminars where he discusses more about these topics of long-term care assistance and also asset protection as well. WGALaw.com or call 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Stay tuned. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us. We're just having a discussion about uh, the difference between estate planning and what elder law is. And Bill, you explained that to us very well. And we talked about the issues with long-term care and the financial crisis that that can create. But we also want to spend some time discussing asset protection issues. Absolutely. That's what this show is all about. And one of the nice things about uh, talking in terms of asset protection today is the fact that it encompasses both long-term care issues and estate planning issues. Because quite frankly, if you need assistance with long-term care and you apply for Medicaid, uh, which we do, a, you know, we do a lot of applications for families who are in financial crisis due to needing nursing care, and we get a lot of middle class families and others on Medicaid uh, because it is a complicated pr- process. But what do we do when we do that? We save families all of their assets. That's asset protection. Uh, there's also a thing about Medicaid that when you go on Medicaid, there's something called Medicaid estate recovery. So when you die, there's a claim filed against your estate. But there are lawful and proper ways that a professional, an elder law attorney, can actually assist your family in protecting all your property so that there is no recovery from the estate uh, relating to what Medicaid has paid on your loved one's behalf during their lifetime. So, yes, there's asset protection related to long-term care issues, big time. Uh, And then there's asset protection when it comes to estate planning in terms of how do we protect our legacy? How do we protect our children from divorces or claims? How do we protect ourselves from those kinds of things? Um, And there, there are lots of techniques that can be used. But as far as I'm concerned, asset protection deals from everything from how do we save your family income taxes? How do we save your family from paying estate taxes or gift taxes? I mean, anytime you can avoid paying tax, that's protecting your assets. (laughs) You know, that's an important part. Uh, If you can uh, reduce how much you owe the government or eliminate uh, what you might otherwise owe to the government, 
Um, so that's that's really important part of what we do. But also we all want you to be able to avoid claims from others. Um, and, and there are a couple biggies in here. Uh, I've, I've talked about it uh, oftentimes. Um, what, are the, what are the two biggest areas where people constantly lose their shirt uh, from a claim? Well, more than likely, the most common one where people truly lose most of what they have is a divorce. Uh, divorce is, is uh, really bad when it comes to losing a lot of your property. Um, and uh, so we do. We talk about taking care of your marriage. We talk about um, you know prenuptial or premarriage agreements. We talk about a lot of things that can help you. Um, reduce that uh, problem. But, uh, you know, there are other emotional issues that come with divorce, but the financial ones are pretty huge, too. Um, the other one are automobile or vehicle accidents. Uh, that's another, you know, every time you get in your car, that's a possibility. So what kind of insurance you have, umbrella insurance, uh, that's a very important asset uh, uh, for you to uh avoid calamity, uh, and how it's also how you protect yourself. Uh, but then you can also have claims when you sell a business. You can have claims when you're a professional, whether it's a lawyer, doctor, dentist, architect, uh, engineer, you name it. Uh, if you mess up, uh, people want to blame you for it. And, uh, and uh, you know, there are lots of lawyers out there ready to sue you. So uh, being able to avoid that or being able to it's sort of like taxes being able to reduce or eliminate that threat uh, is what you're trying to do so uh, there are, are many ways to do it and I would say that the majority of our clients start with a plan that's called a revocable living trust and and that saves the money because it avoids uh, probate costs, and it reduces professional fees uh, significantly, and it allows people to have far more control over their estate and who gets it and when they get it and how they get it. Uh, And so that's really important. But a revocable trust does not give the person who creates that trust asset protection. But it does allow you to give asset protection, if you do it right, uh, to your spouse or to your children or to your grandchildren, as far as that goes. So it's uh, the majority of our clients do asset protection planning uh, uh, through a revocable trust with asset protection for at least their children, if not their spouse and their children. So it, it varies from family to family. All of us are different. We're unique. We deserve different kinds of planning. None of us fit into a box. Uh, so for us, we might be using the same tools, but what we build for each family is is very, very different. Uh, so, but, but there are lots of different tools, and the, those of us who are advanced planners, and I, I can claim that. I've been doing this kind of work for many, many years. Uh, so it's not just about taxes. It's about asset protection and some of the things that you can do. 
I mean, l- last week, you know, I talked about a BDET trust, and you know, we love lawyers love to use these acronyms, but uh, that's a way that a very wealthy family with highly appreciated property can freeze the value. Uh, and create asset protection uh, for their family at the same time, for themselves. Uh, So that's pretty cool. Folks have heard of uh, other techniques. For instance, you've heard of a foreign asset protection trust. Uh, That that sounds pretty cool, Uh, and and they are, but they're relatively expensive to set up, and that's that's one reason why people avoid them. Uh, there's nothing illegal about them. What uh, you know, you you might have read in the paper uh, about uh, uh, families who have foreign trusts who are in trouble with the IRS. Well, it wasn't anything in terms of having a foreign asset protection trust. It was the fact that these families weren't reporting their income to the Internal Revenue Service and not paying income tax as they are required to do. So. It was those families that were thinking they could get away with it that after a while they were going, ooh, we are in trouble, so we better see what we can do. And, and of course, uh, the, IR, the government actually gave these folks an amnesty <laughs> period where they could come in, report, and not go to jail. So that's, um, that was very helpful for those families. But it fact is, if you have a foreign asset uh, uh, protection trust and you report your income as you're required to do, it's perfectly lawful and, and proper, uh, and you're good to go. Um, now, uh, most people don't do foreign asset protection trusts unless they have some connection uh, to that foreign jurisdiction. Uh, that obviously makes it easier because you're familiar with folks over there and things like that. But obviously very wealthy families often use uh, these sites as well because the the foreign jurisdictions that are used are very friendly to families uh, and very unfriendly to creditors. <laughs> so it makes it virtually impossible for a creditor to reach that property that you have placed outside uh, in a jurisdiction outside the United States, as long as it's one of those friendly jurisdictions. Um, then you have something similar called a domestic asset protection trust. That basically uh, is something that you can create in the state where the states have authorized you to do that. And uh, uh, there are a handful of states in uh, the United States that have, where their legislatures have authorized you to create a trust for yourself and your family that puts certain assets out of the reach of creditors. Now, you have to do it, you can't do it after you're in crisis. It's, um, you have to do it prior to crisis. You have to, in most jurisdictions, uh, retain um, uh, l- some liquidity and and uh, and the like. But they're lawful in some states. Uh, the state now are they lawful in North Carolina? Do they work in North Carolina, where you create an, an a, a irrevocable trust for yourself? Uh, to give yourself asset protection? And the answer is no, doesn't work. (laughs) Okay, not in North Carolina. Our legislature has not 
uh, seen fit to uh, pass that type of legislation. Our neighbor, Tennessee, however, has a domestic asset protection statute. I like Tennessee. It, you know, they don't have income tax in Tennessee. That's not a bad jurisdiction. Nevada is probably the most famous one. They have the friendliest rules uh, related to domestic asset protection trust. But the question is, if you live in North Carolina, will a trust that's created in Tennessee or Nevada actually work? And the answer is, we think so. (laughs) For the most part, it will. It certainly creates a wall where creditors have to get over that wall. Um, uh, the question is whether a, a creditor that's really mad at you can can jump that wall. And for some, uh, it really comes down to a judge under those circumstances as to whether that trust will work. But it clearly creates a barrier. But even in North Carolina, there are ways that you can successfully create an asset protection trust uh uh, but it's it's done through a third party. In fact, that BDET trust that I was talking about uh, is is a very effective way. That's a third party trust that's created uh, typically by a loved one, um, a parent, a sibling, uh, uh, and where there's a gift made to it, and then you sell property to uh, that trust. and And that's a really cool trust because. There's no income tax on the sale because you're basically selling it to yourself under the income tax rules. It's, it's, that is really a, a cool type of thing. But there are other trusts that can be used for the same type of purpose in terms – even in North Carolina, you can create an effective asset protection plan if you wish. There's a lot of tools available to you depending on what you are trying to achieve. That's why it's so important to get uh, the guidance of a professional. Get a hold of Bill if you're interested in learning more about asset protection. Go online to WGALaw.com. There you can schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. You can also register for Bill's seminars. Bill has one dedicated exclusively to asset protection and trust planning. It's free to register, free to attend. Head on over to WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button, and there you can register for the seminars in September. Uh, Bill does that on asset protection and trust planning, and there's also one that covers uh, government assistance when it comes to long-term care planning. Go to WGALaw.com or call 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. More after this. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I'm Jason Kong. Thank you so much for joining us. And we're uh, having a discussion, ironically, Bill, about asset protection and uh, all the tools that are available to us. Exactly right. Now, you know, what I was just talking about for a lot of families, uh, you would be You'd call that advanced planning, and there are a lot of families that have no interest in that, don't need it, don't want it. <laughs> uh, I, I get that because you know there are a lot of folks that just don't have those kind of issues. But uh, all of us want to protect what we've worked so hard to get, and uh, I I talk 
frequently about the foundation blocks of asset protection. And so, as you know, because you've heard me say this over and over again, the cornerstone of asset protection doesn't have anything to do with legal documents or fancy plans. It has to do with having adequate liability insurance. Uh, and I'm not trying to sell insurance. I'm What I'm trying to sell you on is, <laughs> is having good insurance. So having a good insurance agent uh, is a very helpful because most people don't read the fine print knowing what's covered and what's just as important as knowing what's not covered with your liability insurance. But here again, you know, we talked about the fact that every time we get into our car or truck, uh, there's a potential lawsuit. Uh, and so um, having good automobile or vehicle insurance is maybe the most important insurance you can have. Of course, homeowner's insurance is nice as well. Uh, if you're a professional, having malpractice insurance is key. If you own a business, workman's compensation is key. You know, there's a lot out there, but but having good liability insurance is the cornerstone. And you don't get that from a lawyer. <laughs> you get that from insurance companies. And then uh, um, and one of the things that I talk about frequently is that you have to realize that most of the folks do not have adequate liability insurance. And so it makes it doubly important for those of uh, us who uh, have something to protect that we have really good uh, liability insurance. In other words, you don't want minimums when you have property to protect. And Part of what you're paying for is protecting yourself. It's the uninsured motorist and the underinsured motorist. Now, people know that in North Carolina you're required to have liability insurance uh, to protect others. But what the law doesn't do is it doesn't say you have to have adequate insurance. It says you have to have minimum insurance. And minimum insurance is not going to cover if you're seriously injured or if you have a very valuable uh, vehicle, and most vehicles are pretty darn valuable at this point, uh, most of us can't afford vehicles anymore because <laughs> they're too expensive. Uh, but what I'm getting at is is that you've got to have your own insurance that covers others because you figure – 10% of the folks who are driving on the road today have no insurance at all. They're driving illegally. And there's another 10% or more that have minimum coverage. So you should, I mean, if you can afford it, you should have the highest coverage you can have, which is typically 500,000, 500,000 coverage. And then you're, you're basically covered there, but you should also have umbrella coverage. That's really key. And most families should actually have $2 million of umbrella coverage. A million is minimum. Two million is where most people should be. And, and extraordinarily wealthy families probably should be at $5 million or more. So th- that's the liability insurance side of it. And then you get to legal documents. Having um, you know, the right type of powers of attorney, the right types of limited liability companies or corporations, uh, 
or trusts, uh, those kinds of things can make all, all of the difference in the world. And then the next piece is making sure that you work with your financial advisor so that uh, your uh, investments and your beneficiary designations are, uh, and how you own your investments uh, and your bank accounts are all tied into the same plan. So they coordinate together because most people, again, never coordinate how they own their property or how they have their beneficiary designations or the like. And so that th- those are very important uh, aspects of a good asset protection uh, plan. And, um, so, uh, it, you know, those are some of those foundation blocks. There's, obviously, there's a lot more to it than that. Uh, and I enjoy talking about this stuff, as you know. Um, but then you can get into trust-based planning that gives asset protection. And again, most revocable trust-based plan give no asset protection to the families. Uh, and that's really important for folks to know. Uh, the, the, the majority of trusts that I see are primarily designed to avoid probate. You know, it does give family privacy. It's easy. It does reduce overall costs. But again, it's, it's fairly simple. It's an I love you. Here it is. It's yours. Uh, take it and enjoy it and control it and do whatever you want to with it. And that's a great way for what you've worked for in ending up in somebody else's hands. <laughs> but if, if you uh, create good lifetime trust with asset protection, then, then you can ensure that what you've created for your family will stay in your family. Whereas if you just do what most people do, there's no assurance that it will be retained in your family, and in most cases it's not. Uh, I mean, think about it. Uh, You leave your property outright to your children, and guess what? Most people who are married for a long period of time commingle their inheritance with their uh, with their money, their spouse's money, their joint make it joint money. Well, when you do that, it all becomes marital property. Okay, so there's two problems here. Number one, if a divorce happens unexpectedly, then half of that inheritance is going to go to the other side to that spouse you don't want to receive anything. Or what what do most wills look like in this country? I leave everything to my spouse and then hopefully equally to our children. But guess what? When you die, and let's say that you've inherited uh, a good portion of money from mom and dad, and your will says I leave it to my spouse, and okay, you're hoping that it goes to your kids, but okay, your spouse remarries and has stepchildren and Guess what? Uh, And there's nothing in the law in North Carolina that says you have to leave property to your children anyway. So you might leave everything to your surviving spouse. Uh, You might leave, then divide everything up among the stepchildren as well as the children. So uh, guess, guess what? The legacy that you've created has just been spread out among uh, family members that uh, you we're not planning on receiving anything. You wanted it to go to your children, then your grandchildren. Well, 
That, those are fairly important concepts. And if you want the control that most of my clients want, then having a better estate plan is the way to go. That's very well said. Having that control is key, and that's why you need to get professional help. Also, this is something you want to revisit. If maybe it's been a long time since you've had your documents reviewed, make sure that they're doing exactly what you want. Get a hold of Bill. Go to WGALaw.com. There you can schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. You can view all the services that his firm provides, and you can also register for his free seminars. He has one dedicated exclusively to asset protection and trust planning. Go to WGALaw.com and there you'll find all that information. You can also call 919-256-7000 to learn more. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Stick around. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I'm Jason Kong. He's Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us. And Bill, last week you you brought up a a fascinating concept, and uh, I want to revisit it. And uh, briefly, if you could explain what it is again, I think that would help everyone. But you mentioned something called a beadit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, Sounds like we a love crafting that. tool. Exactly. We, we, we love these uh, concepts. Um, and now, uh, yes, I did talk about a BDIT. What, what does that actually stand for? It's an acronym, of course. We love our acronyms. Um, it actually stands um, for a Beneficiary Defective Inheritors Trust. Now, there's nothing defective about it. But in other words, you're intentionally uh, putting certain things in there to make it work the way you actually want it to work. Uh, it, But what's important about this, and this, this can be used by a lot of different families, it, it is extraordinarily helpful for very wealthy families, families that have to worry about estate tax. But it also can be used for those families who have issues with um, and want really good asset protection. Uh, but a BDIT is, in fact, a third-party trust, which can be used in North Carolina. But So what is it? How does it work? Well, first of all, a, a family member, typically a parent or a sibling, creates it for you. And in other words, they are the grantors. Let's just talk about it being the parent. The parent creates a an irrevocable trust for your benefit, and you can add your spouse, you can add your your uh, uh, children, grandchildren to this trust as well. But but you are a key beneficiary. And you can even be the trustee, the person who controls this trust, because it's being created by someone else. That's what makes it a third-party trust. Okay, so you put these defective little things in the trust that makes it, that makes this trust a beneficiary-deemed owner trust, okay, which I like. It's a great concept to use. So in essence, the beneficiary is considered the grantor. 
Now that has some really wonderful um, uh, 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 effects, if you will, uh, for you. And then what you do as as this beneficiary is you sell to the trustee of this trust um, a valuable piece of property. And, uh, you know, obviously if it's a piece of property that you want to freeze the value for estate tax purposes, it's perfect. But it's also, let's say you have a big farm and you want to make sure that it's protected and it stays in the family. Again, you can sell this to the trustee and freeze the value uh, and and you be the beneficiary. Uh, now, what's interesting is this is a sale. It's a fair market value sale. But it's not a taxable transaction because you're considered the grantor and you own this valuable business or this valuable farm or other real estate or whatever it is. So you sell it to your business. But you're selling it to yourself as far as the Internal Revenue Service is concerned. So there's no tax liability on the sale. But you've effectively put your property into an irrevocable asset protection trust. And for your estate purposes, you've frozen the value of that asset at whatever the fair market value is at the time you transfer it to the trust. So both concepts work extremely well. And and so that is that is a concept that a lot of different families can actually use very effectively. Now there's one other concept that people need to understand that right now the estate tax exemption is so high. It's over $11.4 million per person, so very few people even have to worry about estate tax at all. However, built right into the tax code is a reduction that starts in 2026. So we've got five and a half more years to go. And then guess what? The estate tax exemption drops down from whatever it will be in five and a half years to $5.6 million. Now, again, most of us don't have to worry about estate tax because that's a lot of money because obviously a family has ways of uh, preserving exemptions and things like that. But for wealthy families, being able to use that exemption is something that's very, very helpful. It's where you look at gift tax and uh, use an irrevocable trust where you can create a trust for other people. Now, in North Carolina, you can't create a trust like that for yourself, but you can create a trust for your spouse and children. You have to use your separate property and those kind of things. So there's some technical things, but this is where you use your exemption while it exists, that $11.4 million exemption that's going to go away sometime in the next five and a half years. And so that's another extremely valuable planning tool that you can use. Now, when you use your exemption, you're you're using a gift tax exemption, which takes away your estate tax exemption. I know that's complicated, but the bottom line is you don't have to pay tax. You're using an exemption so that you don't have to pay tax on the transaction, but you're preserving assets for your family, for your for your children, your grandchildren, and your spouse as well. If the situation applies to you, get a hold of Bill. Make sure your planning is in place. You can call 919-256-7000, 919 919- 
256-7000 or head over to WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget, you can always go to WGALaw.com to find plenty of information about Bill, schedule an appointment to handle some of the many subjects that we covered in today's show. You can also call 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. And don't forget, you can register for September seminars slash webinars by going online to WGALaw.com and just click on the seminars button. We are out of time for today. On behalf of Bill Alexander, I'm Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a wonderful weekend.